It'll be interesting because I don't have I don't have a particular beef with Rod Stewart. I just anyway, this is mental platypus. You have a beef with Chubadors. That's what your beef is. I disagree. What? <laughs> I disagree wholeheartedly. We'll get into it. Uh, this again. This is mental platypus. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. Uh, you can find us on social media at mental underscore platypus, uh, both Twitter and Instagram. Email us at mental platypus quarterly at gmail.com. You could support us by finding mental, uh, no, rather Hoot and Waddle on, what's it? Patreon. It's Patreon. It's yeah. Patreon. Yeah. You could step yeah. in any time. I'm just, I'm trying to get more. Did you get, did you get ball. your Patreon mixed up with your OnlyFans? Well, I, I, I can't talk about my OnlyFans. Well, you can now. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know. Yes, it, it, it fulfills a very niche market of, uh, of, <laughs> uh, yeah, of, of music nerds, uh, of, of ladies who, and, and men uh, who like uh, uh, <laughs> music nerds with uh, slight dad bods. <laughs> like want to, you know, hear random opinions about, I don't know. And, and, and there's nudity. Uh, eventually, yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But no, I can't even I can't even muster any enthusiasm for that. I don't I, I don't get the whole OnlyFans thing, but people make good money at it. Yeah. I, I don't know anything. Are you sure you don't know? I mean I'm aware of his existence. <laughs> I don't subscribe to anyone. Sure. Okay. Okay. Alright, we'll leave it at that. So But yeah, Patreon. Uh we're for a minimum of five bucks a month, you can uh, get a bonus podcast of of exactly this uh, witty banter, this pure gold, as it were, podcasting dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find watch my out, friend- Joe Rogan. We got you in the crosshairs. <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're coming for your 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 Austin utopia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you can find my friend over here at Jason E. Kyle on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find uh, the archive of uh, Jared Duran's uh, social media offerings at LTD underscore engagement on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, drop the underscore like it's hot on the Instas. You can. And there are some pictures of his cat that are adorable. And my records, which are also adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I keep, I keep thinking about popping back on Twitter cause I'm like, oh, that would be funny to throw out there. Or, it's funny. Me I and your mom see... were joking about you on Instagram. Oh, that's day. good. Well, it's, it, it, it's nice <laughs> to know that people have a, a forum to talk about me that I don't access anymore. Um, it, but by the time I pull up the app, I'm like, eh, fuck it. I don't feel like it. Yeah. So I feel like I fully detoxed. Like I just don't need the the thrill anymore of, of, of posting, I don't know, X amount of characters of wit. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to pat myself on the back here or anything, but I mean, I did, uh, when my Rolling Stone article got published, I um, was, I was going to say, we should talk about that. That's uh so when my Rolling Stone article yes, got published, yes. I had to put it on social media and everything. And, when it didn't get the response I was hoping for, as in, like, 
viral, spread around all over the place type of thing. Mind uh-huh. you, I, I hyped it, you know, not really. Didn't hype it very much. Tried to, you know, be cool about it. Uh, That's a big deal. It's Rolling Stone. I, I know. I know. I Which, know. you know, granted, Rolling Stone had more cachet about 20, you know, the heyday was hey, over. It's got the cachet but... back, motherfucker. Oh, does it? Yeah, because I'm here. Because you're there. Exactly. Yeah. I, but I was going to say, regardless, it's for people like us who grew up reading Rolling Stone and yeah. and so forth. It's it's a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. It's it's a it was a big deal. And I was hoping for like you know universal acclaim, and it didn't sure. happen. I got a little depressed about it, and uh, so I definitely have considered going back on the uh, Twitter, Facebook detox. Yeah. So. Because I don't like feeling that way. (laughs) Well, I mean, people should go read it. I need to figure out a way to read it. Like, if you would want to send it to me, I've apparently Apple News. Okay, because I have hit my quota of of Rolling Stone articles. Apparently, oh, it's behind. um, It's behind a subscription wall. wall. Yeah. Um, but it's about so every month and and Spotify request distributors to take down tracks um, because they feel have been uh, streamed fraudulently as in like they've had bots and so forth yeah they'll listen to it for 30 seconds and then they'll listen to it again just to boost their streams to say people have been listening to it and well I mean you know yeah because they pay out so much to the artists well (laughs) exactly um so there, that was sarcasm for those who don't have that filter on. Yeah. So there's been um, so at the beginning of the year, it's been estimated that over three quarters of a million tracks were taken down, and a lot of these tracks are just they don't know for sure that they've been taken down. Like they've been like the they don't know for sure that these are fraudulent streams. They simply assume if. In the case of one art, you know, that they've been just... So they've made an assumption and they've taken it down Mm -hmm. based on what? Based on the behavior. So in the case of one of the artists I profiled, um, Kelly Young, who is now Kelly Mesa, uh, she asked people to stream a track, you know, overnight, Mm -hmm. similar to what your Justin Bieber's and your... Harry Styles fans do. Uh-huh. And um, because she has a large fan base here in Phoenix, which is um, where she's from, uh, they took down the track um, because they felt that it was something that people were using. When in fact, because she just asked her fans to do it. So it kind of exposes a double standard because. Mm-hmm. Bieber's a major label artist. Yeah. And she's not. Um, and then the other case, like this UK psychedelic band, uh, who's really good, by the way, Heavy Salad. Oh, never heard of them. Um, well, now you have. Now I have. And I recommend that you that you do. Um, is there is there a uh, sister band called Scrambled Eggs? Oh. Uh, <laughs> <phrase> your humor. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark Duran wit, <laughs> at least half of it. Um, anyway, so 
they had the whole album taken down. And in the case of Kelly, she never got her track back up. And she ended up changing her whole image. Uh, Heavy Salad had to wait five months. And this album only been out for three months. Had some pretty good... Um, had some pretty good uh, people behind it. Like, uh, I think one of the Arctic Monkeys produced it. Hmm. Uh, and it's really good. Um, so it's just... Uh, it's a stupid situation. You like, don't know like why it happened or how it happened. You know, if they get lost in like a bunch of emails to their distributor, and their distributor is like oh, distributes over forty percent of all the music on Spotify now. So like, what happens if it happens again? You know? Well, so is there is the digital distributor different from like the record label? Is it is it an EMI kind of thing or what is it? So the distributor, um, in this case, it's DistroKid. Mm. Um, they're the ones who get up there. And they take the already small portion of the, you know, of the money they get for the streaming and give the rest back to the artist. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, but when Spotify tells them they have to take something down, they have to take it down or it ruins their relationship with Spotify. Oh. It's this is this is the problem with there being a monopoly on something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that's the thing is like so you should Bieber listen to your a, music through Bandcamp. <laughs> well, that's what um, that's what one of the band members said. Like uh, Bandcamp, they Spotify is going to see that Bandcamp's going to bust this thing wide open. Well, I mean, it, it's it's definitely you know on a on a note of of you know being. We're, we're two people who love music and want it to be around for mm-hmm. and available for a long time and to support artists. Uh, Bandcamp is the artist-friendly model. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the, they have their monthly First Friday waiving, the, uh, waiving, their, waiving their fees mm-hmm. so that artists get, the, you know, get their dues. Um, it's definitely... It unfortunately doesn't have. I, I think it's getting better known, and I think that artists are. I think artists are. Uh, uh, you know, uh, going to that platform more and more. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I think it's going to be. I think if this keeps up, it's going to be a reckoning. I, I, I was excited to report about it, um, and yeah, uh, unfortunately. It's um, it's part of the RS Pro, which is like if you subscri- you're a subscriber, you can access it. Um, if you have Apple Music, I believe, uh, or not Apple Music, <laughs> Apple News, mm-hmm. you can read the whole thing in its entirety. And it's kind of part, and it's kind of wackadoo. Um, you know, a lot of weird twists and turns in it. Um, yeah, it was really, and it was just you know, for about you know. A day, I was like really excited to see like my byline, like uh, magazine I've been in love with since Cindy Crawford graced the cover. <laughs> yes, <laughs> when I well, was a teenager. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and that's it, it. That's huge, man. I, for what it's worth, I don't. You know, I'm sorry it didn't go viral, but uh, but <laughs> I, I think to. it's a big deal. So yeah, I, I I'm yeah. I, it's just it's okay. I, I didn't even want it to go viral. I just <laughs> I don't know. I just. Um, 
when something like that happens, you it's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with the stupid algorithms and shit. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it is. And that's just like, so who cares? Like, I mean, the important thing is I can put that on my fucking resume now. Uh-huh. Like Rolling Contributed to Rolling Stone. Stone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's fucking awesome. So, so pretty soon they're going to make a movie about me, <laughs> um, about how I report this story from my living room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and um, broke the thing wide open. Broke the thing wide open. Um, like Spotlight, but with less molestation. Exactly. Or... <laughs> All the present men, all the president's men with um, with less deep throat, yeah, <laughs> and dudes with dad bots instead of <laughs> instead of um, while I, you know, listen to and more kids, well, yeah, reporting the story as Daniel Tiger plays in the background. And has, I was thinking it has its own element of drama there. I was thinking something romantic, like almost famous or something mm. which by the way if you go onto rolling stone mm-hmm. um they have a redo of the Stillwire story that william oh, yeah. miller wrote huh um and for at the end of the movie saying we're at above the earth and we're all gonna die <laughs> <laughs> and it's really long, but it's like this really great and fun thing that encapsulates the whole movie. Well, they they just reissued uh, like a deluxe edition of the soundtrack, I think. Yeah, I think that's maybe why they did it. And they reissued sort of the film too with mm-hmm. the uh, both the bootleg edition and the and the and the uh, uh, and the theatrical version. Yeah, I think. it's really. I have the bootleg version on the divid, as they call it. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's this scene in the deleted scenes where to convince his mom that he should do this, to go on this trip with Stillwire, mm-hmm. him and the boyfriend of his sister play, play Francis McDormand Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> Um, in its entirety, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get the rights for oh, that's it. That's right. Yeah, so you have to put on Stairway. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so you can see them uh, like do these air drums and guitar solos. That's and, like, funny. Um, to convince them that rock and roll isn't just this empty three minute thing; it can be this epic educational Tolkien esque mm-hmm. thing, which kind of leads into what our last discussion is about Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, 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 not last, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah couple, recent, yeah. recent. That's, but we're not here to talk about what's no, up. No, we're here to talk about Rod Stewart. Yeah, um, baby. You can hear my enthusiasm, <laughs> uh, and you can hear your genuine enthusiasm. I because I read this essay, and um, I mean, I. Pretty I much, like this essay. This is one of my favorite essays. No, so this far. is like yeah. this is my, one of my favorite essays so far. And the reason why I like it is because I've written essay. I've written things like this. Mm-hmm. I remember distinctly. Speaking of viral articles, um, I wrote like a top Duran Duran songs record. Yeah, yeah. I think I've talked about this. Yeah, and the fans Duran Duran posted on their social media account. 
uh-huh. and I wrote from the point of view of someone who's had to de- defend Duran Duran for um, probably thirty years because because well they're they're one of those bands that it was particularly unpopular to like them for a little while yeah and then nineteen ninety five happened and it all yeah got, came back well it's ninety three right uh, yeah she's come undone and. Mm-hmm. Which is still, I, I think, one of the greatest songs ever. That's yeah. just a, a perfect song. So I wrote from the point, I guess the point is, I wrote this article from the point of view of someone who's had to defend them. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like you may not like the reflex. You may think that Union of the Snake is a silly song, but like, there's some really artsy shit here going on like, with their what their On those music. first couple albums are perfect. Oh my God. Yeah. Um. Like they're just channeling Bowie and Barry and like all these. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when he's sitting here, it's a, it's a culmination of what became the new romantic movement. Yeah. Yeah. So when he's sitting here and he's talking, it leads into his previous thing about listening to Smiler, mm-hmm. um, which the song we're talking about is not from Smiler. It's from, uh, no, it's from, uh, um, I was just listening to it. God. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember what it is. I can pull it up real quick. Talk about it while I pull it up. But it, it's it's from someone who knows where Rod Stewart is even now in the 2020s. Um, kind of someone whose whose image has been uh, tarnished, uh, as it were. He's tried so hard to be relevant and um, never a dull moment. Yeah. He's been trying so hard to be relevant in the late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s, and into the 90s to the point now where he just does whatever Clive Davis tells him to. <laughs> He's just somebody who's, who a long time ago became a parody of himself. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. I, I mean, dating I, Rachel Hunter. Like, I remember in the 90s, him just dating Rachel Hunter, mm-hmm. just covering Supergrass at one point, I think. Um yeah. And just thinking like this is him trying too hard. Yeah. Um and I want to listen to Soundgarden now. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um whereas he's definitely like but like in the early 70s um, and even with faces, I was gonna say, yeah, I my favorite work of his is with the faces. I right, think the faces are one of the greatest rock bands. Of but all the time. first four albums of his are like, like never a dull moment. Uh-huh. Um, every picture tells a story. Uh-huh. Um, like they're just so, like good. Like I just, it, and this is like, he wrote from someone who just knows that the ensuing decades since those four albums have come out, mm-hmm. that he's as you say, it has become a parody of stuff and that I will not argue. <laughs> um, it's, I'm, I'm, it would be cool if, if, uh, if, if we got the Elvis Costello produced Rod Stewart. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, did this, I like, had no idea about that. I read that and I was like, Oh, that would have been fucking cool. Yeah. Like this, this is like Hornby's defense of his early career that yeah. for his first four albums and his time with the faces, mm-hmm. like he was untouchable. And, it should be yeah I, I like his comparisons he, he as he compares it you know to being uh liking the liking oasis in in the mid 90s or liking the stone roses in 1989 it's not 
it's not the coolest move, but it was it was respected, you know. Yeah. There was there was some class to it. There was some uh mm-hmm. uh you could back it up. Yeah. Well, I even well, as I was going over like his like how he got how Rod Stewart opened him up to other things. Well, yeah. Okay. So I'd like to get into that. Yeah. However, it's what's interesting to me is because this is also going to lead into the next episode that we do because he spoiler alert for for the next episode Hornby opens it up by saying, you know, he's not a huge Bob Dylan fan. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm, I like Dylan more now uh-huh. than I ever than I definitely have. Well, so what's I've in- seen him twice. <laughs> what, what's interesting to me is that is that Hornby talks about having really gotten into Dylan through Rod Stewart mm-hmm. where I I was uh, I was an early Dylan head um, you know that was it was the natural progression to me of when I was getting into Bruce Springsteen it was then Dylan and Leonard Cohen mm-hmm. um, and it's I don't know so I already loved this song and I had never heard the Rod Stewart version and then listening to the Rod Stewart version, being like, okay, I'm ready to seriously evaluate this, give it a real good chance, uh, especially based off of, of, of the Hornby essay. Hornby essay. Um, <laughs> the Hornby essay. Um, anyway, the, I was ready to give it a fair shot. And I listened to it, and I was just, I was underwhelmed. Um, it's the uh, it's so thoroughly time stamped to me as far as sound goes. Whereas you can listen to "Mama, You've Been on My Mind" by Bob Dylan, and yes, as as Hornby puts it, it's a, it's just a strum. Uh, but I think there's a lot there that he's not hearing from Dylan. I always think there's a lot there that people don't hear from Dylan. The biggest like thing about or people's chief complaint about Dylan is his is his voice. And I also want to say this, and then rebut freely um <laughs> the uh the, the, i think that there's nuance to dylan's voice that 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 people don't pay attention to um and and i fully understand that there's just some people for whom dylan's voice is like uh, uh a, a total turn off and that's fine it's 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 not for everybody doesn't offend me in the slightest and i'm also not somebody who thinks that dylan's version is always the definitive version Mm -hmm. i i am a big fan of many of you know the birds readings of his songs versus his own um the the uh uh, there's that whole um any basically any time brian ferry covers a dylan song it's he just fucking knocks it out of the park uh so and uh, one of my favorites, Robin Hitchcock, has done some really fine readings of of Dylan material as well. Some of the some of the best covers of Dylan material, in my opinion. So I'm I'm not you know gonna say that well the original Dylan is always the better version. So that's that's not my thing. I just didn't like the Rod Stewart version. Um, well, I I I, I have heard your points. <laughs> That's why I wanted to get them all in there before you, uh, before you no, no. got on your soapbox. You're and- so like, but you're like, I grew up listening. I was never a Dylan head and that has more to do with just not being 
properly exposed to it at a young age. I didn't get into Dylan until probably until I started being really serious about music. Like it just what, with uh, a lot of bands. I hate to interrupt you, but what what was your Dylan entry point? I think it was Fairy. I mean, there was always listening to the Birds and okay, sure, and like um, <laughs> Dangerous Minds. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I think it, I think it clicked for me. When I really started getting into Roxy music, when you realize that every other song, like on on uh, this like any comp any proper fairy Roxy music compilation, mm-hmm. is a Dylan cover that Fairy has interpreted for for thou- you know for hundreds of thousands of fans. Yeah, and but I and I don't know like maybe it was. I think maybe it was a combination of like the Big Lebowski or <laughs> or just something where like it just kind of clicked. Like okay. Dylan himself clicked with me. And I I'm never gonna be like the biggest Dylan fan, but he's definitely someone I'm going to like respect. But I'm also know I also know that I'm so behind the curve on this shit. Mm-hmm. Even like as someone who like like, like like sparks and continues to discover new things about sparks. Sure. Um, that, Have you seen the net yet? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we can talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you and I have wildly different interpretations. Of oh, that really? Okay. So that might be the bonus pod. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I, I uh, it's. It's never been his voice. It's just I haven't been able. To, I wasn't able to lock in, and then now I can lock in a little bit. But I feel so behind the eight ball on this shit now mm-hmm. that I can't. I, I don't know where to begin. Um, I remember the first time. I remember first time I saw him in concert. I was so happy that I even knew what song he was singing. Okay. He was started. He opened with the Wonder Boys. Um, oh, that's a great song. That's a, which is a great song for some people. You know, for some people, the first of all, he had a couple of, of of big cinematic moments, right? Yeah. So he's got high fidelity. Whether mm-hmm. it's Jack Black saying "You don't own fucking blonde on blonde," it's gonna be okay. Yeah. Uh, well, there's that, or there's also the most of the time moment with John Cusack sitting mm-hmm. in the rain, you know, on the bench. So and then there's also the Big Lebowski with the uh, the man and me, yep. uh, where he's you know floating over them. Um, so, but it's stuff like like what Stewart does, what Ferry does, mm-hmm. that can be like a like a, a lead in, sure, a gateway, a gateway, yeah. And that was kind of like that too. And then when I saw like he op- so he opened, I remember same time I saw him in concert, he's doing these different interpretations of his songs, and some of just some deep cuts that. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you the title because half the time I couldn't understand them. Yeah, that's that's the thing is that I'm, I feel you know I, I'm a huge Dylan fan and I've never seen him live and I'll tell you why. It's because I think it would pain me at this point to go see Dylan live. Um, he's essentially abandoned the guitar from what I know, uh, or or there are nights where he will only just stand at the upright piano and you know his little electric piano and play. When I or, saw him. He was like, like some rockabilly type band. 
Mm-hmm. Like he was dressed in a cowboy hat, white cowboy hat, mm-hmm. white suit, uh, with a bolo tie. Sure. And so was his backup band. Yeah. And they were just kind of playing like the ver- the version of um, um, things have changed. Uh-huh. The Wonder Boy song was definitely in a different style. Yeah, like in a more of a. I mean, the man's been around so long; he can reinterpret his own stuff however the fuck he wants. And I know? liked it. Like, yeah, and I liked the concert, but I was just scrambling. Mm-hmm. And my friend who invited me to go was just in his element because he is a Dylan head. Um, like it, he's just so into it. Um, and I'm just like struggling to catch the F up. There's a huge period of his that I just skip. Um, basically from, uh, I think the last, it might be infidels is the last one. And then between that and, uh, and the net and where I pick up again with him is, um, uh, oh, oh mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so though you know between that and oh mercy, I skipped that whole period, and then I skipped the whole Christian period. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but there's his, his all of his '60s albums, most of the '70s. Um, I mean, I th- there there are so many chunks of his career where he's reinvented himself. So that period where you know, from Nashville skyline through John Wesley Harding and uh, even New Morning a little bit, that whole reinvention of you know he he sings completely differently. Um, there's and, and then then you know the time out of mind period. Mm-hmm. Um, that's there's some people who enter his career there because that was where he you know that was soy bomb and yeah. uh, and and popping back into the public mind after being essentially washed up for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean th- he's such he's been such a sort of changeling over the course of his you know sixty year career mm-hmm. that that you can duck, you know, you can dive in and out of and only, only enjoy certain chunks of it. And some people enjoy more chunks than others. I am not somebody, you know, I, I, I love Dylan, but I am not, I'm, I'm just not going to get into some of the, of the, Mm. that particularly questionable period of the eighties where it just seemed like he was phoning it in, even if he was touring with, uh, with the, uh, with the heartbreakers. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, 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 and that's the time I got into it. Like, I knew him was like touring with the Woolberries. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, that, the, those, the those Woolberry albums are great. Yeah. Well, yeah. And those are like bright spots in, in one of the, the worst periods of his career. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's like, it's like we were talking earlier about like a few weeks ago about Springsteen, mm-hmm. how I, no Springsteen from when, uh, when he won, like he yeah. finally got it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So like all these, saw anything before that about you know, mm-hmm. you know the rocket company giving me a huge advance and all that you know, yeah. struggling artist stuff like that doesn't ring true with me because I know what happens in the end. Yeah. Like you won, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so tell me what you like about the Rod Stewart version. So what I like about the Rod Stewart is just so melodic. And like when with any Stewart interpretation, mm. like he's 
there's some passion behind this. Like a good Stuart interpretation, I should say. Sure. He's he's interpreted some pretty wacky shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, his version of of Downtown Train is. Uh, so this is so now this is the part where I'm going to this is a part of my soapbox okay. where I'm going and part of the essay where like in the second part of the essay, he's talking about like all these things that he got into. Sure. So um, like how, and I think my, he mentions Aretha Franklin and mm-hmm. Sam Cooke. And so, but um, I mean, don't get me wrong. His, his taste in women um, is always uh, Britt Eklund. Come on. Uh, she's the worst Bond woman <laughs> in the worst Bond movie. But, I mean, how many men can say they've, they have been with a Bond woman? That's, well, um, a few, um, but let's well, face it. When, clearly, but out of, if, when, when, if you're playing the percentages, it's well, not. Well, let's face it. Ringo Starr, when, in the fight for Bond women, Ringo Starr fucking won, he when, won. He, when yes. he married Barbara Bach. Yes. Um, yeah. He, Stuart... Just likes blondes. I I don't know. <laughs> he does have a type. If he, you young and blonde, <laughs> yeah, he's got a type. And I, I nothing against Brooke Eklund, but they just wrote her into like this dumb blonde spy corner and mm-hmm. the man with the golden gun, and it's awful. She did not. As as you as you know, I I, I am a, I think I'm a bigger fan of of man with the golden gun than you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's because I appreciate it as a comic film. <laughs> I'm sorry, but side note, uh-huh. when the centerpiece of your movie is this cool-ass stunt uh-huh. where the AMC car goes in a, in a twist, yeah, and somebody has the dumb idea to put in a slide whistle, <laughs> it completely takes the wind out of the fucking sails. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's and so- so bad and i can <laughs> and i can forgive a few poop jokes when he swallows the golden bullet from the from the belly dancer yeah i mean it's but it's like uh, it's it's an austin powers movie you know joke in a bond fucking movie yeah no i mean it's it's i th- I, th- I think that man with the golden gun is probably the best austin powers film <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> um but, um, like, he talks about how, like, he got into, you know, he led into Sam Cooke and Dylan and like, mm-hmm. all these other, and Bobby Bland um, and Bobby Womack. Right. I could, so I, I can kind of start with where it's, I can kind of start here were what Stewart has introduced to me. The one being the big one being Tom Waits. Okay. Cause if it wasn't for his awful version of downtown train, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that awful, but, but it's, 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 it's rather eighties. Yeah. Um, it's rather eighties esque. And I just, and I listen and I went, so this also made me go down the rabbit hole uh-huh. of Stuart covers. Okay. I found this awful, awful, awful cover of, Rundgren's Can We Still Be Friends? That's oh boy. so 80s. Like synthesizers, bombastic synthesizers everywhere. It's just god awful. Mm-hmm. But 
back to my original point. So back when doing the unplug thing was still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like I listened to Stuart. I watched Stuart's. Uh, his unplugged thing. Unplugged yeah, thing. Sure. And I loved Stuart's unplugged thing. And I couldn't understand. I like his version of reason to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I couldn't understand why he had Ron Wood there. Oh. Because he didn't know the faces? Well, I wasn't aware of the fa- Well, that's the thing is like, this got me into the faces. Okay. This got me into Ron Wood. And for the last, even before Watts mm-hmm. passed away, rest in peace. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Charlie Watts. Um, I have been on a Ron Wood era Stones kick. I oh. don't know why. Oh. I've been listening oh. to Emotional Rescue like nobody's oh. business. I, okay, I have to revisit that because there there's been a lot lately about how that's an under unappreciated classic. It, I like I, the song I've been obsessed with has been "She's So Cold." This because I love Keith and Ron uh, and Ron's just style of guitar playing. It's mm-hmm. so loose and fun, mm-hmm. and it's just so like bluesy and um, riffy. I just, I can't get over it. Like, you know, I, I thought, I, I really thought that, um, that did you listen to the, the Thursday episode of, of I, WTF? I haven't listened to it yet. Okay. So there's, I'm going to spoil a little bit of it because of course, I assume you, he went on. A- you know, that Marin's a huge stones fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talked about it a lot. And of course, so he had, uh, he had a lot to say about Charlie Watts and, um, and he, you know, it's, he talks about the, th- and it's, it, it's not something he doesn't claim to have it originate with him, but he, you know, he, he talks about how he really learned to appreciate Bill Wyman and Charlie for, um, for how they, you know, they, they, they're the grounders. They, mm-hmm. they're the ones that, that kept it tight so that Keith Richards, who and I and I love Keith Richards, but he's a messy guitar player. Mm-hmm. You know, if for for a rhythm guitarist, he's all over the place, mm-hmm. and uh, and so if it you know when you the the typical you know typically the rhythm guitarist is part of the rhythm section. It's mm-hmm. it's the three piece of the rhythm guitar, the bass, and the drums, and you wouldn't look to Keith Richards for somebody who's keeping things down. You know, he's not keeping it tight. He's not keeping it. Nope. Uh, he's, he's not laying down the bedrock. Um, so. No, Charlie, um, no, Charlie, for sure. It was like, I, and that's the thing is like, as I kept listening to like emotional rescue and like all these Ron Wood stones records, mm-hmm. uh, I just, it, my focus went from Ron Wood's guitar to, Charlie's drums, and you can see like, and you got like I could tell like that that's Charlie like keeping it simple, mm-hmm. keeping it keeping them straight. Yeah, and I think the other um, and the videos have come out, you know, and just you can see how much Keith really appreciated mm-hmm. um, Charlie. Like they those two were like best friends because you know you could. I always think of that story that's you know been retold over and over and over mm-hmm. again this week about um, Charlie knocking out Jagger, <laughs> punching Jagger. Oh yeah, and Keith like uh, 
uh, and but him and Keith are just like the best of friends still. Like, yeah, I just uh, God bless him. Um, but I, I'll tell you, my, we'll 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 go back to Stuart here in a sec. Yeah. But the my favorite, and and it's not it's not a showy thing at all. But my favorite Charlie Watts Rolling Stones moment is is his uh, is his part in Out of Time. Mm-hmm. I just it's it's a simple, you know, but it, it's fucking clockwork. Mm-hmm. It's it's just it's perfect for that song. My what you know, I love that song for many reasons, but one of them is chiefly Charlie Watts is playing on that track. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's just like so fucking cool doing that too. Yeah, that's it just blows me away. Is like the guy doesn't break a sweat. No, it's, he really doesn't. It's he's just laying it down and. You know what? It's you know they're they're flashier drummers, showier drummers, but there's nobody mm-hmm. who had that kind of that just cool presence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, definitely R.I.P. Charlie Watts. But I so I was gonna say I actually, but this may come as a shock. I actually really like Stewart's Forever Young. Yeah, I like that one too. I I like like none of this whole eighties output is horrible. But I like that song. I disagree. I think there's a lot that's horrible. Oh, there's, there's like blips, mere blips in what has been a pre. Was that the, this heart of mine been been torn a thousand times? Well, that's the thing. Is like so the Atlantic Crossing version, the '75 version of that. I mm-hmm. listened to that today. Okay, and I really enjoyed that. But if it wasn't for his, um, when he did with Ron Isley, is yeah. it Ron Isley? He, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't. Like it went back to me, brothers, yeah. like the Isley brothers. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and just like I knew who Sam Cook was, like, but I wouldn't have half of like this appreciation for other people's music if it wasn't first interpreted through. I just I want to the, say the gravelly vocals of Rod Stewart. Sure, but I want to say, and I think this it should this should be a brief piece on this i'm definitely not the person to talk about it but i think it's kind of problematic i mean Mm. because we're talking about all these black artists whose work and it goes to the stones too stones are totally guilty of it um as as was early beatles (laughs) yep uh you know that it was you know it's 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 difficult to because yes, absolutely, there are a lot of people who would not have been introduced to that music were it not for it being put through uh, white players. Yep, I, I thought about that too. Like, um, Larry Lake on the way over here, I thought, well, we should probably bring up that a white dude is <laughs> interpreting yeah. all this music. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I I, I have to say it. it's you know. I my uh, what sent me to listen to Bobby Womack was Gorillaz. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a modern day version of that. It, that's Damon Albarn, but at least he had the actual artist on the track. Right. So, right. well, I um, mean, and to I'm not saying Stewart deserves credit for this. No, but he got Isley on. Yeah, the he new, did. Yeah, he, he so. Yeah, and, and and you know the the Stones did. Uh, you know, Keith did the the uh, Hail Hail Rock and Roll documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, for for Chuck, 
and they were they were you know he didn't they tried do it to for Chuck. No, no, but okay, <laughs> he so did it for a paycheck. Yes, but <laughs> but you know you know they, there are these stabs, there are these moments because they also they also supported Helen Wolf, right? They did yep. that. Um, the, you know, the, 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 I, there were some attempts, but I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was enough, and I don't think that there's enough of a conversation about how, or maybe I'm just not. We're not hearing it. We're not the ones equipped to have this conversation. No, no, no we're yeah. not. But it's it's. But we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's kind of all I wanted to say about it. Oh. But is there anything else you want to talk about this track with? Well, or no. This, uh, Rod Stewart in particular. I, I, I so think. We can, I think the Hopefully one thing that I did want to bring Stewart up again. Well, I, there's one thing I did want to bring up is that the the Costello. Yeah, that was news to me. I had not heard that. Um, no. Sometimes there there are some things that Costello has talked about in interviews over the years that he appreciated um, early on, mm-hmm. and uh, I did not know Rod Stewart was one of them, and I did not know that he had offered to produce an album for him. I mean, and that's the thing is like Stewart, like Costello gets. Like I remember finding out that Costello was going to produce Apollo eighteen mm. for oh for they might be giants. giants. No kidding. Yeah. So I, I heard it from the horse's mouth, not Costello, but uh, right one of the one of the one giants. Of giants. Yeah. Um. So I would like wanted to be a fly on the wall when that happened. Yeah. Um. I'm. What I want more than anything is that I'm I'm sick of the. I, I mean, I don't listen to any of those great American songbook, no. whatever yeah, shit no. he does now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because the reason why those are even in existence is because Clive Davis mm-hmm. just when he produ- when he's you know someone's on his label, whether it be Arista or Columbia or whatever, mm-hmm. he just is like, just do what makes you popular and. Or what do well, what makes and, you popular and, and and so and that's what he did and consequently he he has you know he he's become a pastiche of himself he's he's uh, you know yes he's selling records to to grandparents basically yeah um, well, that's the thing that pisses me off about Clive Davis is because he's been in charge of all these record labels that sells like millions of records. Mm-hmm. And you know he he's apparently some sort of hero because he can hear something and he knows that you know he's like, well, just do more of that. Uh, See, I'm going to throw something out there that, and you can disagree, but it, Rod Stewart seems like the kind of person who could pull a surprise, you know, late career renaissance and have something like like Dylan did or like um, like. Uh, 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 like Tom Jones did, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, that's why I want. I want. I want the Rod Stewart Rick Rubin collaboration. Oh, that would be cool. That would kick ass. Yeah, because you've like you've heard the Giant Cash ones. Yeah, I, I know. Yes. Have you heard the Neil Diamond one? Uh yes. That yeah. was it. Twelve songs or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. heard that. And the Pay collabs and yeah, like when like if there's anyone who's like so deserving <laughs> like um who deserves that type of treatment it would be rod fucking stewart it would be i mean because the yeah. man can interpret a song like nobody like when done right he can yeah. interpret a song like nobody's business yeah like i like i said i'm i'm, I'm not as big a rod stewart fan as you are I'm, I'm i'm not a hater either though 
and it 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 definitely he's somebody who could pull off a cool mm-hmm. late career album. I'm just and let me make clear. I while I it's clear that on the scale of uh, on the scale, I definitely like Stuart a little bit more than you. I, I would I would say much more. But yeah, yes, but um, but I'm no means going to shell out three hundred bucks for a ticket. I, oh, I'm not going to no. go to Vegas. No, I don't have like. I just like the first four albums a fuck ton. And um, I can, in his other output, it was kind of hair and miss for me. Um, I don't mind his weights covers, mainly for the fact that they introduced me to weights. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that says something because I would argue that I, 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 I'm surprised that somebody, I mean, I'm not surprised that somebody would hear the Rod Stewart version and then go listen to Tom Waits, but I'm, you know, it's very few people who would hear the Rod Stewart version, go listen to Tom Waits and then keep listening to Tom Waits. Well, that's the thing is like, I just, if it wasn't for that, like, yes, it's like cool to hear this slick version of it mm-hmm. and this Rod Stewart version of it. But I, you know, I'm because I'm looking as I start to like develop my own musical taste. Like I've always been, like, as much as I like popular music, like I like weird shit mm-hmm. even more. Mm-hmm. That's and weights is up that alley for me. I, I that's I mean that, especially the island years. What's interesting yeah. is that that song is such an anomaly in his island catalog because I know. his island ca- catalog is is like German cabaret music. It's it's experimental to the max, really. I mean, yeah. it's 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 him doing like peak uh, Captain Beefheart via uh, I don't know, like uh, also fuck. He's just on a whole his whole own like, planet. Yeah. But uh, and but it was so far removed, yeah, from what anything I was listening to at that time. Sure, and I, it spoke to me. Well, and what's interesting? Downtown Train is just such a great song, it, it's, especially the Waits version. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 it's just you hear Waits sing it, and you can hear just the 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 longing and the mm-hmm. like the romantic tension in that song. Mm-hmm. It in you know, and it's a simple. It's it's a pretty simple four chord progression. I want to say, uh, it's been a long time since I played it, but, um, and and for him, it's a pretty, uh, you know, uh, straight ahead kind of love song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that, definitely like the Anami. Like, it's yeah. definitely no thirty out six. You yeah. know, it's yeah. Well, I mean, what's interesting is he just he would throw those curveballs in there though that would just get you in the gut. Mm-hmm. And when you're listening to to Swordfish Trombones and and you and he throws um, he throws Johnsburg, Illinois in there, mm-hmm. this just like simple little love song about Kathleen Brennan. That's just mm-hmm. him and piano, you know. It's or a soldier's things where it's just you know very that song just gets me every time and. Or on Rain Dogs, where he does it, he does it twice on Rain Dogs with um, with Downtown Train, and he does it again at the end with Time, mm-hmm. which is also just his that. voice and and guitar, you know. And when he, um, man, those opening lines of 
of time are fantastic. Whereas mm-hmm. the smart money's on Harlow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, um, yeah, it's because of that. Like, it's just what I was listening to at that time is like weights is so far removed from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, from what I was listening to, and it just spoke to me. So that's why I'm just kind of like, oh man, yeah. The the smart money is on Harlow, and the moon is in the street, and the <laughs> Shadow Boys are breaking all the laws. <laughs> so so good. And so, then when he gets to the bit about uh, Matilda asks the sailors, "Are those dreams or are those prayers?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, just fucking kills it. Uh, so good. Oh, God, I'm all of rain dogs when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, but this was not about Tom Waits. This, yeah, <laughs> that's the talk on Rod Stewart. <laughs> no, but I, I, I like this essay. This is like probably the best essay he's written. It is so definitely far. one of the best in the book. I would yeah. say it's it, it speaks to a lot about. Um, this is where this is what I, I came to the book for initially is because the appreciation of music and how how music is is so unique in its ability to send you down all these other rabbit holes mm-hmm. you know by somebody covering a Dylan song and being like well who's this Bob Dylan cat and then going down <laughs> down the Bob Dylan rabbit hole or 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 you know hearing uh, uh, him do a, uh, an Aretha Franklin song and then getting mm-hmm. into Aretha Franklin um, there's there's a lot to that I think actually, um, and so I did I did really enjoy this this entry in the in the thirty one songs. Yes, I did too. Um, it's definitely one of the better ones. I'm glad that we did. It. Uh, it's a nice uh, it's a nice relief uh, after Santana. There, the yeah. Oh man, there were a couple of these little essays in a row where it's just like these are little nothings of. Can't believe. But that's Hornby in a nutshell. Is that mm-hmm. you know? First, he has all of these things that are just like, eh, you know, it's not great. But then mm, he gets you. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like Rod Stewart. Sure. <laughs> oh. Sure. Okay. Anyway, recommendation coin. Sure. Okay. Who? I don't remember who went first last time. I don't know, but you should go first. Okay. I'm going to recommend two. This is sort of a follow up recommendation because I've I've talked about this before when I was recommending Patriot. Um, I f- finished watching the six episodes of Ultra City Smiths. Mm-hmm. It is one of the wildest fucking shows I've ever seen. <laughs> it is just fucking bonkers. It's so good. It's it's this like claymation style, looking like um, uh, I mean, it's it's. I think it's people who have been involved with um, Robot Chicken and with um. Uh, the uh, Team Green, America, Seth Green people, yeah, uh, and but it's like these these kind of like baby doll things that mm-hmm. are all dressed up in different ways, and it's speaking of Tom Waits, it's Tom Waits as the narrator, and <laughs> um, yeah, it's so good, and the cast of voices is great. It's got Deborah Wingers in it, what? BB uh, Newworth. <laughs> Um, Kristen Bell and and uh, Dak Shepard are in it. Um, uh, Kurtwood Smith. You've got uh, I, I forget the guy's name, but one of the one of the guys who plays like the main detective. Um, he was the. Um, he always plays like this creepy guy. I I forget, but I forget his name. But you would recognize him if you saw him. Um. So. 
Are we safe to say that Deborah Winger's on a comeback? I look. She's in that Mr. Corman movie or, or show. Yeah. Or Mr. Yeah. Um, which I'm I'm an episode behind on that, but I'm really enjoying it. it it's okay. something that. Oh, are you talking about Jimmy Simpson? I am talking about Jimmy Simpson. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. He's the guy who's in, um, like one of the brothers, and like it's uh, always sunny. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it's so it, it's such an oddball. It's a perfect, it's a perfect show for for Tom Waits to narrate. Um, <laughs> and that these these characters break into song, so there's this like musical element to it, and it's 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 so just wonderfully bizarre. It's it's one of my favorite shows of this year, if not my my favorite show of this year so far. Um, and I don't know how you see it other than I, I added the AMC Plus subscription onto my Apple TV. Yeah. Uh, so that I saw it that way. Um, and But I, I highly recommend it, even if you do like the two-week trial, because the, the six episodes of the first season are all up now. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just wild. Highly, highly recommend it. That's Ultra City Smiths. And then the other one that I want to recommend is a, it's an older book. It's actually the first novel um, by Sam Lipsight. Oh, which one is it? It's called The Subject Steve. Okay. I haven't, I think I've read his second one then. Did you read, was, was The Ask? No, that might, I, not The Ask. It's the one where he goes back to his high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna the have fun to parts. I, I don't know. You're gonna have to look it up because I it's been a while. Um, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're talking about website. Yeah. So, um, Hark. I don't know. No, it's the second one. Home. Homeland. Homeland. Okay, I haven't read that one yet. Homeland is really good. It's really funny. It's really sharp. So is the subject Steve. I would mm-hmm. say that the subject Steve is. It's the best Kurt Vonnegut book not written by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh wow. Uh it it's That's bold, sir. Bold. I it's I think it's true. It's it's it, it could very easily be a a book in a, like the vein of Breakfast of Champions or or uh Bold. Uh Cat's Cradle. Something where there's I'm using some big hyperbole here, but I'm I'm saying I would I would put it up where there with that. It's it's um it, yeah. So it's about it's about this guy Steve who keeps reminding everybody his name is not Steve, but everybody calls him Steve, and <laughs> he's he's suffering from this this uh, brand new malady that they've discovered um, that is it's a terminal malady. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know like when you're going to die, just that you're going to die and there's no cure for it. Uh, and you know, but he, one of the, the, the repeated lines in the book is this character continue. He keeps saying, describing himself as being in fine fettle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, that's just, I, I, it's, I love the little tags of it. And, um, it, it is, it's very funny. It's very much black humor. Um, it's, I, I would say in addition to comparing it to Vonnegut, if you like, uh, especially early works of, um, Peter Carey, uh, I would put it up there with that kind of style where it's very, um, 
you know it's 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 very much literary fiction but there's some experimental element to it and it's it's a very loose working of reality um Speaking of, one of the components of it is this kind of bizarre reality TV show kind of thing. You're not sure, like, at some point, the line is blurred so much that I wondered if part of this was actually in Steve's head mm-hmm. um, because of the of the sort of uh, surreal nature of it. But yeah, highly recommend it. It's called The Subject Steve. It's by Sam Lipsite. You can find, um, I bought a used copy of it years ago and I just decided to read it the other day mm-hmm. and it's like, us oh, this is fucking amazing. Well, I recommend Homeland. I read that about, God, like 15 years ago. That's why it was hard for me to remember. I'm actually reading his books in order. Um, okay. I, read, I read Venus Drive, mm-hmm. which was uh, his first collection of uh, stories, uh, which is also very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's, I remember reading about Homeland in... The believer, mm-hmm. and just thinking that was right up my alley, and it sure was. Um, so it was good times. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I think uh, it looks like Homeland is probably up next. Actually, I'll have to get a copy of it. All that. right. I also have the fun parts. I haven't read that yet, though, either. Yeah. Anyhow, anyhow, is it my turn? Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. Well, here we are. Um, so, um, I, I don't have to tell anybody that Ted Lasso is, you know, one of the best fucking shows on television. But you I'm might, re- because there are a lot of people. I'm hearing, I'm, I'm seeing stories about people who are saying that season two is terrible. I, I don't no. agree. I think it's great. Again, if you're going to talk about the last episode, please don't because okay. I'm one episode. Behind. Well, that's the epi- I recommend watching episode six. The now, one that just I'm came, not going to spoil. Just dropped yesterday. Yeah, it just dropped yesterday. Okay. Mainly because it um, it's a callback from another show from season one. Okay. Um, hit home again for me. And anyone who says that there isn't any conflict in this show, mm-hmm. anyone who says like this is just selling toxic optimism um uh, see i disagree with that yeah it, i i but. um this and i've been because i follow bill lawrence mm-hmm. on twitter um, well, like one of the nicest coolest dudes yeah. in america like someone like a writer on the daily show like did this whole thread ripping yeah, the show I saw about one. that yeah and he was very kind about you know and bill was very kind about but i think everyone's like Maybe because, again, like Mar- Apple has this thing where you drop three episodes. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that because they want your money. They want your ten bucks for sure. Um. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, is like it's starting to things are starting to bubble up to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's proving to be um, it's still proving to be a very good show and kind of like i said conflicts are starting to brew i you know i loved the christmas episode for some reason it just it that hit me uh i I think that's what i think that one in particular Mm -hmm. is why people are kind of like um knocking like knocking this knocking the season down i don't get it i mean i i like yeah you know the it's it's just 
I don't know. Well, there's there's uh, there's some part of me that enjoys that kind of film, even where it's like you know there it's it's you know the Higginses having the the the. You know the fact that they host the 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 stray team, uh, the mm-hmm. stray players every year at their home, mm-hmm. and it's it's cool. I you know I the the thing where where Keeley and uh, and and um, Roy, Roy are are yeah taking his niece around, yeah. uh, you know to to find a dentist, and yeah. then the way they they uh, talk to the kid. Uh-huh. It, it's fucking great. I I don't know. I really appreciate it. I like that it's. Well, I like I like its earnest nature. Well, I I think what people don't realize didn't maybe didn't realize is that was meant to probably be like a one off. Yeah. Yes, it. Yeah, well, because it's it's kind of like a British series, and right. British series have their Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of like this one off. It just happened to be in fucking August, right? Um, and I thought it was sweet. I mean. Probably a little too also <clears throat> saccharine. Rom communist for life. <laughs> <laughs> it took me it took me a minute to plug into that. Like to like when I re- when in episode five when they sh- showed the old couple. Yeah. And they start talking about how oh and realize yeah. they're fucking doing they're, they're doing a romantic comedy episode. They're That's doing great. like they're doing a fucking When Harry Met Sally. Sally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, anyway. but then when Roy go, goes to the pitch and he's he does the whole, uh, uh, you know, you had me at hello, yeah, and, whatever, um, and uh, I'm just a boy standing in front of another yeah. boy. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. Like, yeah. Um, what's funny is that Roy uh, Brent Goldstein, yeah, wrote this episode. Oh, the one that that just dropped yesterday. Yeah. So. Um, I just, um, so it's really interesting to see like how like sharp of a writer he is. Like, and he's been around for like years and they didn't even, I, I, I missed the episodes of Mr. Corman and, and, okay. uh, uh, Ted Lasso that, that, uh, dropped yesterday because of something that I want to get into in our bonus episode, which you know, teaser we're about to record, uh, uh, <laughs> which is... Send us your money via Patreon. You, yeah. um, I, I've been watching, uh, been going film by film through the uh, oeuvre of, uh, of uh, Christopher Nolan. Oh, God. <laughs> Dear God. So I, I watched Inception last night. Well, I'll tell you. I'll okay. tell you in the bonus pod. Um, well, let me get to why I really wanted to recommend. Oh, okay. I thought okay. that was your recommendation. No, 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 no. I'm not going to... I didn't really want to add myself to the chorus of people who love Ted Lasso. Okay. All right. I mean, it's pretty well documented. Yes. Um, there is a docu- documentary series on Netflix called Untold, and mm. um, it just started. Okay. Um, the episode that it opened with... And this is sports, so feel free to turn turn off. <laughs> I might go get my okay. Get some more water at this point. Yeah, go no, go I mean, get some water. I'll just speak into the to no, your no, computer. no. Yeah. Um, the first episode is about um, what is commonly known as the mouse at the palace. Are you aware of this, by the way? The what at the what? The mouse at the palace. I am no. Okay. So mouse at the palace is, I believe, occurred in November of '04. Between 
it was a game between the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons. Okay. And the Palace of Auburn Hills where the Pistons played. And what happened is, is that there was like a huge fight between several Pacers players and Ben Wallace of the Pistons. And it got to the point where what had happened is that the Pacers were blowing the Pistons out Mm -hmm. and Detroit fans, because we got nothing to hold on to, (laughs) um, can get really into it. And season ticket holders and other players were other people from the cheap sheets were coming on down and someone. And as the scuffle on the court started to happen, Someone threw a cup of beer at Ron Artest, who is now known as Metal World Peace or something. Mm. And he had, and he was a pre. A lot of the, a lot of the players on the Pacers were kind of known as bad boys because they were young mm. and they were aggressive. Um, and so once the beer hit. Our test, our test came from the scorers table, and so did. Um, oh God, I forget who else. So they beat the shit of like some fans. That's why. Oh I, wow. Yeah. Um, like charges were filed. Um, our test was suspended for the remainder of the season. Um, but um, what is so great about this, like watching all this happen? nearly 20 years removed is the themes that touches on is that how other players on the team who were just there were punished for no damn good reason Hmm. that um, criminal charges were like filed against people who had like just simply defending themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, the person who is the player who is really um, you show has been really unfairly maligned by the whole thing is Jermaine O'Neal, who you likely no one likely remembers very well other than this because he got tossed around so often. Mm. Like he was, a, he was the youngest player in the NBA before a while, like before it was like after Kobe and he was just trying to defend himself against like other fans and everything. And he ended up just like got injured and then he just got got forgotten. Mm -hmm. But like there's cell racism here. Mm. There's like all this other shit that happened. Like it touches on a lot of bigger issues. Okay. Um, It's like a little over an hour. um, And definitely something I think like I watched it with Kristen um, and Kristen was like, that is definitely one of the better sports documentaries you have watched. Uh, oh. uh, um, and she didn't, she's like you, she didn't know shit about what, you know, about mm-hmm. any of that. Um, and she was like, I, uh, it's hard not to get, it's definitely a good hour of your time. Um, the NBA has definitely changed uh, in the years since, um, but it does paint a portrait of what the NBA was at that time. And I think that's the other reason why I liked it is because that's when I started getting turned off by the NBA. Hmm. And now that, 
you know, I'm starting to like basketball again and get back into it. It just, it's fun. So it's a good duck. Uh, that's my, that's my pick. That's your pick. That's my pick. What was it again? Uh, Untold Mouse at the Palace. Available on Netflix. All right. Well, that's it, folks. I don't know why I'm doing radio announcer at the end of this. Live from the Who Wall Studios and hot Phoenix, Arizona, is Mental Platypus. Well, it was Mental Platypus. You've, you've, uh, what was that show? Oh, you've wasted another hour listening to. <laughs> you've wasted an hour, hour of your life <laughs> listening to us. Anyhow, thank yeah. you for doing so. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to us and subscribe and also tell your friends yeah. uh, to listen to us and also rate and review us. And even more importantly, tell your enemies. Uh, tell them too. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, let them waste their time. You know, let it be a dialogue. Uh, maybe maybe you become estranged from somebody, a member of your family or a friend that you that you know you haven't been able to speak to in years, and yeah. and let our own uh, divided conversation uh, inspire yours and yeah. and and open a dialogue there. <laughs> let build a bridge or burn it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yes, because that is that that is the mental platypus way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, thanks as always for listening and keep a mental plot of peeps. Mental Platypus is a production of Hoot and Waddle, producing fun arts and culture podcasts and publishing works of experimental literature since 2016. To learn more about Hoot and Waddle, please visit hootandwaddle.com. To learn how you can help support and sustain Hoot and Waddle, please visit patreon.com forward slash hootandwaddle. <laughs>